out a new series tonight called Shades of Grey. Who's excited for what God has for you in this series? I'm excited for what God has for us in this series um, because I can't, you know, I can't express it enough how much who you decide to date um, really, like we talked about last week, we could lead people to the way or we could what? Get in the way. That was, that was last week, um, last Tuesday night. Who liked last week, the Jesus culture? That was, that was so much fun. If you're new here, go back in the podcast and listen to it. So with this t- uh, conversation on this topic on relationships, I really believe this is one of those things that can lead you to the way that you're supposed to walk through or get in the way. So if you have a calling, well, we all have a calling in here. But if you're serious about your calling in here, it matters if you're bringing God on your journey on who you're deciding to be with, date, marry, etc. I'm excited to do this. You guys ready for this? All right. I'm going to pray over the preaching and the teaching of God's word. We do this and we, we love praying when we open the service because prayer is important. Prayer shows you where you're really at with God. Like if you have a strong prayer life, I promise you it, your relationship with God is probably a bit, a bit better with someone who doesn't have a prayer life. That's just how it works. Um, so when we do prayer before service, well, right when service starts, um, so we start at 745, we go straight into prayer. We do that not to take up service time, but like if you don't pray, that's to really get into the motion of praying. And, and I don't know about you, you probably don't know this, but sometimes before you have your own voice, you have to learn how to be an echo. And, and you got to really get in, into the room and, and hear people pray and be a part of it. And then maybe, maybe it's coming out of your mouth. It's like worship. Like when you first came to church, you weren't the craziest worshiper in the room, right? You started off where you were comfortable at. But now you're in the front, you know, bawling, eyes up, jumping. We leave some, some Tuesday night sweating a little bit, you know what I'm saying? If you didn't sweat, you didn't work, you know what I'm saying? Um, and that happens gradually because you, you're just surrounded by people. It's the same with prayer. And, and we need to take that into our relationships and say, God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to date? Uh, we pray before our service. So I want to pray over the preaching of God's word. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes tonight. Um, please take notes. Open up your heart. Open up your mind. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for what you're doing on a Tuesday night. Uh, God, tonight, it's just a, there's like a sweet presence in this room. Uh, it's, it's different. It's sweet. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. But he's, I could just feel in the room. I don't know if you feel the atmosphere as well, if you're spiritually aware that God's going to do something new tonight in somebody's heart. That God's really going to set some people free tonight and set you up. This may be one of the biggest monumental messages if you receive it. God, if your word is seeds, our hearts are the soil. And may we receive well what you have for us. Come on, everybody says. Come on, everybody says. Um, So, uh, shades of gray. Um, so let's just start off by saying all the nasty words. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You, you guys here tonight? Is anybody in the room tonight? Your friends are like, so this is that church, huh? Um, no, I'm kidding. So I, I really believe that when it comes to relationships, there can be some gray areas. Listen, tonight's not for just the single people. Tonight's for the married people. Tonight's for those who are dating, those who are not dating. Um, tonight is, I, I'm going to hang off the stool for a sec. Um, tonight's for everyone uh, because there, you can get married and there can still be a gray area that you're not confronting. 
Um, I've, I've got, I've got, you know, people in my life I know that have, that just because they got married didn't mean that the porn addiction went away. It, it probably even heightened it because now you're living a lie within someone you've confessed. You guys with me tonight? It's there can be gray areas that if you don't confront them now, or at least in the early process of your relationship, it'll distort and harm you later on in time. Uh, even if you are already married, if there's stuff that is in the gray and it's not confronted, there's an elef- elephant in the room and no one has the guts to talk about it and no one has the, 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 you know, the strength or the ability, the courage to tackle that topic, what happens is what's left under the rug, what's left in the closet will eventually grow. It'll, it'll grow seeds of discord. It'll grow division. And that's where the enemy can find a slit just to slide into and begin to bring separation to what God has joined together in front of man. So it's something about gray areas. What we're going to do every week is tackle a gray area in our relationships that we honestly just need to talk about. Um, and you can talk about this to your friends after the sermon. You can talk about this to your best buddy. Or if you're a girl, you have a girl that's, you know, she's your girlfriend. She's your, your, your home girl. Like, this is your best friend. You could talk about it to a guy or a girl. You could talk about this if you're dating someone. You could talk about this. Um, but the idea is that you figure out within yourself to confront the gray areas. Who's ready for tonight? Amen. Start my timer now because now I started. Also, can I get uh, house lights? I asked her for a little bit of a vibe, but I, I really can't see you guys. You guys are really uh, going off to the ends of the room and stuff. So if I can get some house lights on real quick. Make some noise for all of our media people in the room. They're just awesome. <laughs> I want to talk about the gray area tonight. This is the sermon title. I want to talk about the gray area of belief. Belief. Can you say it with your words tonight? Someone say belief. Come on, that's like five people. I know we got a lot more than here. Can you say the title of today's sermon? Just say the word belief. One, two, three. Belief. The gray area of belief. Uh, do, Do not think for a moment that I'm implying that the person that you decide to be with, notice I'm not saying the person that God uh, brought into your life. I'm saying the person that you decide to be with. Because God could bring people in your life and you could decide whoever you want to decide to be with. So the person you decide to be with, I think it's important that you, you have this conversation of belief. What do you believe? Um, here's what happens when, 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 when there's a gray area. If you're not clear on the black and the white, that's what makes gray, right? When there's not clarity. I think in a relationship where there's not clarity of belief, that may be the most dangerous thing. Do not think for a moment that I'm implying that your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend needs to vote like you for you guys to have a successful relationship. I'm not implying that. I know couples that one votes one guy and one votes the other. I know a couple. I know couples. I know pastors that that there's just, there's differences in beliefs, not down to the T, right? Um, but there are some things that they do agree on. And and if you're in here, you're probably like, Pastor, so what what kind of do we believe? If we're going to talk about no gray areas in belief, then I can't have any gray areas in what I believe. How many times have people dated someone that believes something else? And in a year, they decide that Jesus is no longer king of their life. They could worship some other people. They could worship some other things. I think it's because not that there was a gray area in their belief. There was a gray area in your belief. And <laughs> what turned into, oh, I'm going to win him for the Lord, turned into him winning you away from Jesus. 
so we're going to talk about belief tonight because it's a big part. Now, understand with the Bible, there's essential doctrine. I'm going to get into a little bit of theology tonight. Is that cool with you guys? I don't care if it wasn't. We're going to go into the theology tonight because there's, there's what the Bible calls essential doctrine. Doctrine is like what's written and what's pulled from the Bible that is legit, undebatable. How many of you guys believe that the Bible is true? It's infallible. It's God's holy word. Come on, yeah, a couple, couple Bible freaks in here. Jesus trusted the Bible. We should trust the Bible. Holy Spirit is the ghostwriter of the Bible. In Scripture, you have primary doctrine and secondary doctrine. Primary doctrine is defined by the ideas, follow me, is defined by the ideas that the Bible states to be essential. There are some beliefs that the Bible writes, okay, this is the essential stuff to believe. And in that list, we form primary doctrine, and then there is secondary doctrine, okay? I'm going to define primary doctrine real quick because I want to let you know, if your spouse, if your, if your relationship, if this boy, this girl that you're thinking about dating, if they disagree with you in secondary doctrine, you're all good. I think that's, that, 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 that's a cool relationship, actually. But if there's a disagreement in primary doctrine, what the Bible reveals to be an essential doctrine in faith. Basically, what I'm trying to say with the whole doctrine and theology words, there's some things that you got to believe to really be considered a son of Jesus. Amen tonight? There's some essential stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down the essentials. It's just five of them. And then secondary doctrine goes from five and on. But if you don't have these five, if the person you're looking into does not agree with you to these five things, I don't think that this is waters you should tread lightly through. Can I get an amen tonight? The gray area of belief. Here's some primary doctrine. This is stuff that the person you decide to be with should believe too. Should. And, and, when, and we're going to the implications of what happens in relationships that don't believe what you believe. But let's understand for a second. Let's clear the gray area on what we believe. Can we do that? Number one is the deity of Christ. Uh, that's, not, that's not deity. That's the deity. Basically, uh, know your crowd. Basically, what's happening in this truth is that Jesus, this is what this means. You ready for this? Anybody taking notes? Come on, we're talking theology tonight. This is what we believe. Jesus is God. Jesus is not a prophet. He is Lord. Jesus was born from a virgin. Mary didn't fast and pray for four months just waiting for the Messiah to be born in her. No, Mary was a sinner that needed to repent. And she gave birth because God did a miracle through sinners. And isn't that how the Bible's written? Is everybody who, wrote, who had a say in the Bible perfect? No, they, they fell, but then they got right back up again. And God decides to honor them and bless them and write through them the words of Scripture. Mary, just like the people who wrote the Bible, are vessels, right? We're all vessels because God is doing something in the world for us to understand. I don't just serve a God. I serve Jesus Christ, and I believe he is who he says he is. Jesus says in the book of John, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through me. This is why this is an important doctrine. Because this doctrine already separates us as Christians. Separates us from Mormons. Separates us from Jehovah Witness. Separates us uh, from, from Muslims. This one doctrine, the deity that Jesus is God. Because that's the thing. Like some people in here, you're just naive. You don't know. Uh, you, you go to a Muslim and you say, oh God. And they're like, Allah. And they're like, yeah, same God. 
It's not the same God because Jesus is God. So if you don't believe that Jesus is God, but we weirdly agree on God the Father, if we agree on God the Father, then we see in Scripture that God says, this is my son that I've sent. This is the son, the Messiah, the son of man that was sent to this world. We see in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, Jesus, the, the logos, the, the spoken word of God. God in flesh. This is deity. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word was with God, right? So there you have with God and the word was God. John is defining that this is a trinity. This is a triune God that Jesus not only is the son of God, but he's also God. And, and in the beginning he was there and he was with God and the word was God. I talked with a Mormon for 30 minutes and they left baffled. They almost asked for the address of our church and when we have service times. Because we broke down three verses where the Bible is clear that Jesus is Lord. And if we believe who he says he is, then we believe that he is God. I won't go that long in all of them. I think this is the big one, though. Number two is salvation by grace. Not salvation by works. Not salvation by what your mama told you to do. You are saved, meaning anybody saved in here? Anybody received Jesus as their Lord and Savior? It's a prayer we do at the end of the sermon. We open it up every week. This is salvation. This is you being saved. We're only saved by the grace of God. It's God's grace. So you showed up here. Listen, friend, it's God's grace that you made it here safely. We, we, we're doing a service and we're honoring God. It's by the grace of God that you're here in the presence of God. It's by his grace. I know missionaries right now that are doing underground church in the Arab world. I have friends that are doing underground church. That it's just, it's just not okay to do church there. It's not okay to talk about Jesus. And people are getting saved every week. And they meet and they do Holy Communion in restaurants because it's illegal. And they're passing around the, the bread and the cup and they're smiling and they're like, this is our bread. And they're praying and no one has any idea they're doing Holy Communion. It's because it's illegal in that place. And listen, you showed up here and you don't even believe in Jesus. You showed up here and we're singing songs about Jesus and we're lifting up the name of God. And you're hearing the word being preached. You have been brought here by the very grace of God. So now if you decide to, to join in, if you decide to make Jesus Lord of your life, you're not saved by your works. You're not saved by new birth. You are saved by grace. The grace of God. Unmerited. You didn't work for it. Another thing we believe, number three, is the resurrection of Christ. Paul says in the New Testament, yo, if you don't believe Jesus rose, <laughs> there's some big implications if you don't believe that. And listen, friends, you know that Jesus resurrecting is not Bible science. It's like science, science. <laughs> it's like history, history. <laughs> The historians of Jesus' time didn't believe he was God, but it was already public evidence that he was doing miracles. It was public information, and it's written in history books, that Jesus healed the sick. Jesus' life here on earth split our history books with B.C. and A.D. Our whole time frame is wrapped around the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His tomb is empty. My dad went a couple years ago with a couple people from the church. They went to the tomb that Jesus was hanging out. Guess what, y'all? It was empty. And it's not because Jesus is gone. It's because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. We believe he resurrected. That's who he is, is what he does. That's the power that we believe. So the deity of Christ, Jesus is Lord. Salvation is by grace, not by works. This is stuff the Bible says to be essential, primary doctrine. And I, I, these I think you need to talk about in your relationship. 
um, number four, we believe in the gospel. So this is why we preach. This is why we do church. Uh, we're here to spread the gospel. Since we started New Birth, we've seen over 5,500 people say yes to Jesus for the very first time. We can cut the golf clap. Come on, if you want to give it to God, we can give it to God. That's crazy. I don't know if that's normal for you, but that's not normal for me. That's wild. Because this thing started with six people in my living room. And I was in PJs. And that's when our church started. And close to 6,000 said yes. We are a church that believes in spreading the good news. That's the gospel. The, the good news that, that, that Jesus came and died for you and I. That we could be raised to life. That we can have a new foundation in the beginning. And number five is monotheism. Which means there's one God. There is one God. Monotheism is there is one God. There is one God. There's not many gods out there. There's one God outside of space, time, and matter. This already separates us from Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims, and atheists. This separates us from so many people. Because listen, if you don't believe, and Jesus, when he's saying I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's not being mean. He's being specific. I don't know about you, but I need, I need more specific truths right now in this day and time. No gray area. No gray area. Some of you guys are finding out right now, like, wait, so we, this, this church is about Jesus? Yes. This church is about Jesus. He's Lord. He's here to save you. He rose on the third day. This is his gospel. And he is the one and only God. I know for us, when you, when you have information and you have the truth, listen, Christians, we carry the truth with fear and trembling, not with, like, pride, right? Because when you see a Christian carry the gospel with pride, that's what makes you go, but what makes you think that your God is right? And then it turns into this weird conversation with people who don't believe in God. Listen, we don't carry the gospel with pride. We carry the gospel with humility, that we just believe Jesus is who he says he is, that he's going to come back for the church. Come on, anybody believe in Jesus in this room? That's what we believe. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm, I'm actually here to let you know that not that you're wrong. I don't want to tell you you're wrong. I want to tell you that I believe Jesus. This is what he's been doing in my life. This is how he's changed me. This is the one and only true God. Why are we talking about belief? I wanted to take some time to talk about to clear up the gray area in belief. Because you cannot talk to someone about what you believe if you don't know what you believe. I really think that when you are talking to someone to date them, to marry them, it's important that you know what they believe. Why? Because the next idea is this. What you believe is directly connected to what you do. So if you want your husband to be a man of God, does he believe in God? If you want your husband to give you word from God, because all the men in the house, I want to solo you out for a moment. God's design is to make the men the head of the household. And this isn't us coming against women. This is us understanding God's model. Is that the, the, the man is the head of the home and the wife is not less than. She's not a training wheel. The Bible says that she came from Adam's rib. She's a partner. We are partners. God looked at Adam and he said it's not good for man to be alone. Does that mean that God wasn't there? No, he just needs a partner to, under, to serve me with. And to have fun with me. With me. It, this is what, so it's important, y'all. If, you, if, if you're going to be the head of the household to the guys in here, that you actually have a good head on your shoulders. And you know what you believe. 
because what you do is directly connected to what you believe. Don't tell me, and now this is where we're going to have some fun. Don't tell me you're a vegan if you eat meat. You don't really believe that you're a vegan. Because you were just at Texas to Brazil with the green coaster on. Run it back. Come on, chicken wrapped in bacon. Let's go. Everything wrapped in bacon. Bring it my way. I thought you were a vegan. What you're doing is different than what you believe. And some of us have an idea of what we believe. You want to, you want to, you want to know what's a quick way to know what you believe? What do you do? If Jesus is Lord, do you really serve him? If this house is the house of God, like we said last week where we're deciding to plant and be flourished, are you giving to this house? Are you sowing into this world? If Jesus is Lord and he's coming back and he's going to ask you, what did you do with the gifts, time, resources, money, everything I've given you? If that's a real question, if that's a real conversation, and I believe that, I'm not catching myself being lazy. I'm catching myself on mission to what God's calling me to do. If I really believe that Jesus is Lord, that he's coming back, and that he wants relationship with me, this is a moment that I need to cut off things that are leading me back to sin. Because if I believe in my mind that God is Lord, that Jesus is Lord, but if I don't believe with my hands, my hands are revealing what my theology really is. What you believe is directly connected to what you do. What you believe is directly connected to what you do. What you believe is directly connected to what you do. You know why this changes things? Because now you don't ask questions that the Holy Spirit can answer before a leader does. When you understand that what you believe is directly connected to what you do, now the the, the dynamic's a little different. Pastor, can I room with this girl? Can we live together? Okay, we can talk about that. But do you really believe that sin is not of God? Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that. I believe sin is wrong. And if I'm saved, I don't live a life of sin, but I strive towards rightness, righteousness. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to fail, but it means I'm going to try my best. Okay, you think trying your best is living with the opposite sex? Someone with the opposite, you, you really think that? Yeah, I think I do. No, you don't because it's your decision reveals what you believe. Your belief isn't that you want to honor God in everything you do. Your belief is that God will still be there when you have sex with the girl you know you're not supposed to be with. Your belief isn't that God is Lord over your life. Your belief is that God is a side chick you can go to when you need forgiveness. You don't believe God is Lord. If you believe God is Lord, you wouldn't have days of the week where you failed him. You don't believe God's everywhere because if you did, you'd know that he walked in with you to that room. You don't believe, what you believe is directly connected to what you do. And how you treat God lets you know how you see God. And if I only return to God, you know, like, there's that one girl, like, girl, you got back with him again eight times? He cheated on you eight times that you know of. And you got back with him? I can imagine the enemy telling God, you sure you want him again? I can imagine the enemy telling Jesus, you sure you want her again? Look what she was at last week. And we, and we prostitute the gospel. Because we don't really understand that what we're doing is directly connected to what we believe. You know what the pandemic is doing to us? It's showing us what you believe. It's showing us what you believe. 
I'm a Christian. But you don't go to the church. That's like a head not connected to the body. Jesus is the head. We are the body. No, no, no. We know what you believe. You believe that you can be your own church. We know what you believe. You believe that you feel like you could sleep with whoever you want. No, I must do what God wants me to do because I understand who God really is. We're clearing up the gray area of this question right here. What do you believe about God? I dare you to have that conversation next time you go on a date. I think it's huge. I think it's huge. What do you believe about God? So is he like a bunch of gods? What do you think? Well, there was one day I was looking at this tree, and I was like, man, I, I think there's a god of trees, you know. Like, I was looking at the sky, and I was like, man, there has to be a god of the beach just to keep this place beautiful. Hey, do you think, do you think God is the same yesterday, today, and today? Or do you feel like God's more mad at you because you sinned? Hebrews 13.8 is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe that God changes? Do you think that his view on you changes? It's like, nah, he's, he's, he's the same. Do you, hey, hey, uh, hey, guy, uh, do you believe that? What do you, what do you believe about God? Do you think God's everywhere or he's only at church? Oh, he's definitely only at church. Oh, no, no, no. He actually wants to live in you. And what the Holy Spirit will start doing, he'll show you, it's more than looks. Because what happens when you're married and the looks are leading you to hell? Can we talk about it? What happens when your relationship and you're not even close to the things of God? God will send people in your life to lead you to him. The enemy will send people into your life to lead it to him. It's just, it's just watch out and ask these questions. If you're in a relationship and you haven't talked about these things, it's not their fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Take it in. Go back to the drawing board. And let's have these conversations. Because I don't know about you. I'm 25 and somewhere around 18, 19 years old. I, wanna, I went into it like six months of not talking to the opposite sex. Just praying. And like I'm not going to flirt with anybody. And I told God my next relationship is my last relationship. My next relationship is my last relationship. And the Holy Spirit convicted me. Okay, everything you've done before, do everything different than what you did before. And, and I met my wife, and we dated, and we got married, and, and it's my last relationship. Do you seriously want that for yourself? Because if you don't want the next relationship to be your last, then you won't have these type of conversations. This lets you know if you really want to pursue somebody or if you're just horny. Because it will allow you to get deep into conversation and say, wait a minute. So what do you actually believe? And it's like, boy, I don't even go to church. It's like, okay, that lets me know. Who you believe is God? Probably no one. That's what I'm trying to say. Next point is to know what you believe so that when you, when you talk to someone, it's, it's a big deal. What good is it, the Bible says, to gain the whole world but to lose my soul? What good is it to gain the whole world but to lose my soul? What good is it to get that girl with the hips, lips, and fingertips but to fall into sin and to fall out of the will of God? What is it worth it? Samson will tell you it's not worth it. Samson brought Delilah into his tent and didn't see the whole time that she was trying to cut the power of God within him. He was blinded. You got to know what you believe. You have to have some conversations. Know what you believe. This is why I'm saying this. The next, the next point is know what, you're know what you'll stand for and what you wouldn't stand for. 
have those conversations. Hey, so what for you is something you would never do? I'd never kill a man. I've contemplated it a couple times, but I'll never kill a man. Would you rob someone? Oh, I would never rob someone. What? If we were desperate our money, what would, like, ask these questions. What would you stand for? Because you know what you're asking? You're asking about that person's beliefs. What would you not stand for? Oh, I, I, won't, I won't stand for abortion. I won't stand for it. Any way, shape, or form. I, I won't stand for, I've got some friends. They've made these decisions, and it's awesome. We won't stand for bringing X, Y, Z into our house. Nope, not that person, not that relationship. We will not stand for these people, these types of people. I will not stand for that. I will not stand. I will not be cool with people performing this in front of me. I would not stand for this. I would not stand for that. Why is it important to know what you stand for and what you wouldn't stand for? Not only does it help you in your relationship being someone who's a bit more solid, but, but the next point is that if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. One of our former presidents, by the way, President Hamilton. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. What does that mean? That just because she's in church doesn't mean that's, that's, that's it. No. If you, don't, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything. You'll fall for it. You'll fall for it. Here's some things you can stand for. I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to stand for his purpose and his will. I'm going to stand for that I'm going to be the type of person that loves the things that God loves and hates sin. I'm going to be the type of person that sets boundaries. That, that I'm going to be the type of person that is seeking after God. I love this next point is that a relationship will either build you or blind you. It will either build you up or blind you. This is why you got to ask about what they believe. Because if they don't believe in the right things, now you know the nature of your relationship. You've got to build them. Y'all here tonight. And if you are female in here, I want to let you know that God has given you, God's design for a relationship is that the man will provide for you. That the man will serve you. And it's not that you don't serve him. I think it's 100%, 100% of service. But how is he supposed to build you up if he's not in his word? How is he supposed to build you up and lead you to the presence of God if he is not a man of God? How is he supposed to, how is he supposed to lead you and push you to your purpose, to your calling, if he doesn't even want that for himself? These are real conversations. And I'm not trying to set the bar for y'all to stay single. But y'all, if the bar is too high for all these chicos to reach, I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in love with God than fall for some bozo. Pastor, I've been single too long. Don't lower it. You ain't about the church. They don't even believe in Jesus. I'm not coming against you if you don't believe in it. I'm saying to decide to spend the rest of your life with someone, what a battle would it be if they didn't believe in Jesus? So now you're not casting devils at church or on the street. You're casting devils out in your home. In your own house, you've got to cast out demons. And I'm not saying you're not up for the fight because, y'all, we're here to fight. But I need my spouse. I need my friend. I need my, the person I'm dating to lift me up. 
I love doing this with my wife, my wife, my wife. I love doing this with my knife, my kite. I like to rap. I love doing this with my wife. I'm like, babe, just lay hands on me. I need you to pray for me right now. Just pray for me. And she'll lay hands on me in the car. I have like a little panic attack or I'm just feeling weird. I'm like, can you lay hands on me? And she'll just pray me down. I'm like, ooh, santo. You know how awesome it is for the person you love and to spend the rest of your life with? They can just lay hands on you. You know how awesome that is? They're like, baby girl, can you pray for me? He's like, boy, I didn't know how to pray. God, do your thing. Amen. <laughs> Yo, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14. Don't, don't look at Paul's writings on what it talks about relationships. Don't look at it. Because he says it's better. It be, he, he, literally, he puts it, just be single so that you can focus on God. <laughs> like, when you look at Paul's writings, he's like, hey, when you get in a relationship, it just gets messy. Uh, you know, you, you just, when you get married, you have kids, you know, there's soccer practices, five soccer practices out of the week. You just get real busy. It's just a little bit of a distraction. Just, just come on, why not be single as long as you can and just love and serve God? That's Paul's, that's Paul's stance on this. But I love what Paul says about this part of being in relationship to people. It says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. So yoked is not like an egg yolk. It's, a, it's what they use uh, in, in the farm, in the field. They'd put two oxen next to each other and they'd yoke them together with this machine that allowed them to walk alongside each other. So this is for the person that you choose to walk alongside. Paul's saying don't be unequally yoked. Unequally yoked. Another form of scripture, he's actually referencing another verse. I believe it's found in Deuteronomy. It says, why yoke an ox to a donkey? It's imbalanced. You, you know what happens? You, you know what happens? When you're with someone who's smaller than you, you know what happens? You're going to move in circles. You're going to move in circles. Because you're the strong one. And you're not walking anywhere. You're just pulling them along. And you're dragging them to church. And you're dragging them to prayer. And you're dragging them to omni-confidence. And you're dragging them and you're dragging them. Paul's like, that's not ideal, yo. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? If you don't listen, friends, just because you have Jesus doesn't mean you're prideful and you're like, I'm better than you. No, we know we, we're saved by grace. We didn't do nothing to get saved. We just, Jesus, I believe. Here's the thing, when you believe in Jesus, now your wickedness gets exchanged for righteousness. And Paul's like, what do these two have in common? What do these two have in common? But pastor, we love the same TV shows. Every time we watch CSI, we, we have so much in common. Does he believe in Jesus? Because if he doesn't believe in Jesus, I don't think you have that much in common. Paul says that. We kind of have similar backgrounds. My parents were divorced, so were his. Um, we're both the middle children. We just have so much in common. Like, you know, I know we don't believe in, you know, all these signs and stuff. But anyways, if you don't care, we're, we're both cancers. And it just works out. We have so much in common. I know we don't believe in that in church, but, you know, hey. No, no, no. But does he believe in Jesus? Because if he doesn't believe in Jesus, I think you have a lot less in common than you think. Oh, but we love sushi. That's our spot. I know his role. He knows my role. We just get each other, you know. We just get each other. 
does he believe, does she believe in Jesus? Does she believe in Jesus? Because Paul's like, hey, when rich, when righteousness and wickedness sit at the table, they, they have nothing in common. They have nothing in common. And this is what Paul's saying is the next point. Is that if your partner doesn't believe in Jesus, you have less in common than you think. You want to know what you guys disagree on? If you believe in God and Jesus is Lord and your partner doesn't, you want to know what you disagree on? You disagree on sex. Because someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't believe the Bible, doesn't see sex as, hey, yeah, have sex, have fun. No, no, no. Sex is only designed for people who are married according to the scriptures. And that, and that sex before marriage distorts a relationship. It, you break the boundary that God designed. God designed for sex to be with married people. And I know for some of us, this is the first time you hear this. But man, I'm going to invite you to get closer to Jesus. If they don't believe what you believe, don't believe in Jesus, their view on sin is different than your view on sin. Their view on purpose is different than your view on purpose. Their view on suffering. Friends, when you don't believe in Jesus and you suffer, we wonder why the suicide rate is so high in America. Because without Jesus, suffering has no purpose. Without Christ, suffering, there is no point to it. Oh, but when you have Jesus, when you believe Jesus is Lord, and listen, our son, our son of God, Jesus, he died on the cross, so he suffered, but in his suffering came salvation. In his suffering came a way for you and I to come and know the Lord. If you don't believe in Jesus, your view on suffering is completely different than my view. So when we struggle and when we suffer a little bit and when we decide to get in a relationship and we experience suffering, how tragic would it be that I see it in a way that God's building me, but you see it in the way that God's after me? How, how divisive would it be that I see this as God making a way and you're seeing this as a way out of this relationship? That's unequal yoking. That's tough. Your view, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're, you don't agree on forgiveness. That's another thing you don't agree on. Because if you believe in Jesus, you know forgiveness doesn't come from you. Forgiveness is a gift from God that you are empowered to give away. So people who don't believe in Jesus, they think that forgiveness comes to them when they go through the process of grieving. Somewhere I'll feel forgiveness. No, we're allowed to forgive before we grieve because Jesus forgave us before we even knew about our sin. If you don't believe in Christ, Jesus, your view on forgiveness is a lot different than someone who does. If you believe in Jesus, your view on heaven and hell is a lot different. And this is why I say this, a relationship will either blind you or build you. Pastor, she's so hot. Bro, I get it. Maybe what we need to pray for is self-control right now. Because if you grow some self-control through the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be dodging a bullet, my friend. It's going to take you out. Just because he comes here, just because he has a tattoo of a verse on his ribs doesn't mean that that's the person you're supposed to be with. Have some conversations. Talk about this stuff. What do you believe? 
again, second doctrine, sec secondary doctrine, secondary, right? We, we can have fun with that. That's, a, that's in the air. Primary doctrine? That's a house. This is what happens in Mark chapter 3, verse 25. And, and my next point is, is that a relationship will either build you or break you. So relationships won't only blind you, relationships will also break you. You guys here tonight. What if the next person you meet, instead of bringing them broken pieces, you allow God to put back together the broken pieces that someone broke apart so that you can step into a relationship whole and full again? Mark chapter 3, verse 25. This is wild. If a house, Jesus says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Bless you. If a house is divided it will not stand. Y'all here tonight. You know that most marriages fall, the house of their marriage fell most, most of the time because of money. Did you know that? So if we're realistically going into this, if we're realistically saying, God, I'm going to pray about the next person. I'm going to make this relationship. We're going to make this thing going. We're going to solve the gray area. Okay, I understand that my biggest battle when I get with this person is money. If I, if I know that going into the marriage, don't you think it's important going into that relationship to talk about money? And not only talk about money, watch this, but believe God about our money. Can I give y'all a tip on relationships? <laughs> this is the tip. So randomly throughout these nights, I'm going to give you some tips. If they don't tithe, don't bother. Why am I, this sounds a little harsh, Pastor. No, 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 no. Most relationships break because of money. If you can't be faithful to me with 100% of your heart, but you're not faithful to God with 10% of your money, what am I expecting? If they don't tithe, they're letting you know their, their stance on money. That, 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 no, this isn't God's money. This is my money. No. Honey, boy, this is God's money. And tithing comes before, before all of our bills. It comes before. And I, I got to tell you, um, the young adults that have gotten married in this church, when we, when we start talking, it is literally like the grace of God like never before. Like it's like, Pastor, we, we, we had all these bills. We started tithing and God made a way and I got a job and I got a promotion and God opened the door and we, we needed furniture and then God opened the door, free furniture and and I don't know how it happened, but all I know is that I've been faithful in my tithing. I've been faithful in my giving to God. And God has blessed us. And God has opened doors. This early in our marriage, we should not be where we're at. Where we're at but it's because we've been faithful to God in our giving. How can I expect you to be faithful by giving me your heart when you're not giving God your heart? How can you be faithful to me with 100% of you? If you're not faithful to God with 10% of your money. Mark chapter 3, verse 25. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. It can't stand. It won't work. It won't work. Two men, uh, quick story. Two men, they go to a park. They sit on a bench. Complete strangers. They're looking at each other. They start talking. They end up talking about what they believe. And uh, one guy says to the second guy, he goes, hey, so do you believe in God? And the, the second guy goes, yeah, I believe in God. And the guy, the first, you know, first guy goes, oh, cool, okay, cool, me too. 
And they're like, awesome, we believe in God. Cool. So they're just hanging out, you know. And then a bird flies by. And the guy, the second guy goes, oh, I worship you. And the, guy, the first guy's a little weird. He's like, what? What did he just say? And then a dog walks by. And the second guy goes, oh, I worship you. And then the wind blows. And it's like a real nice day at the park. And the wind's blowing. And the trees are, you know, they're whispering. And the leaves are, you know, shuffling. And he, he whispers out. He goes, I worship you. And the first guy goes, he nudges him. He goes, are you all right, man? I think I, think I hear you saying something. I clearly hear you, hear you saying something. You saying I worship you? He said, yeah, I worship you. He said, I thought you believed in God. And the second guy goes, you didn't ask me which God. You didn't ask me which God I believe in. You know why I think our, our generation is bad relationships? It's because we don't clear up the gray areas. We don't actually talk about the things that matter. We'll talk about your favorite color next day. Do you believe in Jesus? We'll, we'll, we'll get to that show. Trust me, we, we probably have a lot in common. But if you don't believe in Jesus, we have nothing in common. Because, listen, I, I don't want to just meet a person. Listen, I've already met a person, and his name is Jesus. And to get with me, you've got to go through him. You want this heart? It belongs to him. Anybody receiving tonight? I want to do one last example. Can you bring, uh, Joe Bell, help me out? One last example. We're going to get into the next few weeks. We're going to go talk about relationships, all the gray areas. I don't know about you. I just think the Holy Spirit led us today to talk about, you can stay up here with me. The Holy Spirit led us to um, talk about the gray areas and belief. Because when you're not equally yoked, you're set up to fail. You're set up to fail. Is there hope for couples that the woman is saved and the, the father isn't? Yes, there's hope. There's always hope. But now that you're single, can we try to do this thing the right way? <laughs> God can send somebody alive. It's who you choose at the end of the day. And, and I, and I got to show you this because this is the oldest trick in the game. This is what a pastor taught me, showed me, and it's stuck in my heart. It's stuck in my mind. I stopped missionary dating. You know what that means, missionary dating? You date in hopes that that person gets saved. It's an effective way to grow the church. Um, but then the person that, you know, you're probably compatible with that you want to be with, once they heard you, you know, you dated everybody, they're like, jeez, what's, what's, what's making our date special? You've been with everyone already. So this worked for me, and it was, and it was basically this. I think this chair is elevation. I think this chair represents elevation and knowledge and belief and understanding of who God is and the word of God. By a show of hands, raise your hand if you believe that when you meet Jesus, you get a little elevated. Anybody gets elevated? Like God's actually like growing you up. Like what used to be right is now wrong, and what used to be wrong is now right. Like this, that's sin, and this is honoring God. That's a little bit of growing up, elevation, right? So what happens is you get elevated, and now your point of view is a lot different than this guy's point of view. I see things differently than how he sees things. You guys follow me? This is what God is doing. And what happens is, if he doesn't get to my level, and listen, don't go around dating people and say, hey, we can't talk, you ain't at my level. That's prideful. 
if he don't believe in primary doctrine, Jesus is Lord, he rose up, you know, the, the, the gospel, salvation, if we don't, he doesn't believe in this. I've got a different point of view with my money, with my schedule, my time, with my whole life and future. There, even with my eternity, there's a different perspective. Because my faith can't save him. His faith can't save me. I don't go to God with my last name or with who I'm legally bound to. I go to God as an individual. My faith can rub off sometimes, but I can't have faith for him. He's got to have his own faith. So I believe that when you meet Jesus, you're elevated. And this is what they showed me. Grab my hand. It's so easier for him to pull me down than for me to lift him up. If you try to pull me down, I'm going to be safe, bro. Like, I can, you know what I'm saying? I can nudge. But he just got to do the right move. <laughs> Whoa. You want to go to the club again, bro? You better calm down. Pull me again, pull me again, pull me again. Oh, We would not allow drugs into this relationship. No, we won't. And they keep tugging me. And they're just, and they got no boundaries and they believe different. Eventually, you're going to fall. I'm not saying this is the worst feeling ever. It's the worst feeling for the spiritual you. It's the best feeling for your flesh. That you and the person you settled for are finally at the right vision. No, no, no. But, but then you'll be convicted. No, no. And if I try to pick this man up, I can't do it. Heavy self, boy. It's not going to work. Six years, six years doing ministry. Thank you, Jabal. Six, thank you. Six years doing ministry. That never works. I'm never able to pick someone up. Six years of doing ministry. Can I give you the ratios of relationships that were like that? None of them worked out. And if they worked out, they're not here right now. Why did I just do that? I guess because it means so much to me. Because it really, it really, it really gets to me when someone who is attractive walks in, you're all attractive. When someone who's attractive as yourself walks into a Tuesday night, they meet someone that they like and they walk away from who God's called them to be. Nothing wrecks me more than that. This never works, picking somebody up. It never works. I feel the Holy Spirit challenging men in this room to pursue to be a real man of God. To know what you believe, to act on what you believe. I feel the Holy Spirit challenging some women in here. You need to make your list that is so wide of who can have keys to your heart. I think you need to bring that list over to me. Bring it over to me. Because a house that is divided will always fall. A house that is divided will always fall.